Welcome to Front Page Pass. Um, I'm Bob Yaling and this is Alexa Black. And um, we're very pleased today to present a special guest. In fact, we're devoting the whole show to her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've we both worked on a lot of book projects in our lives. Uh, absolutely. Um, both writing and editing mm -hmm. and so forth. And this is absolutely been one of the funnest and most challenging and most rewarding mm -hmm. projects I've worked on. And it actually, we actually started, uh, Dr. Madeleine Randall, our guest, and I actually started on this 20 years ago in New Mexico mm -hmm. when she did a medicine wheel healing with mm -hmm. me. Um, that's how I met her. And so we're, so we're in for a treat for the next hour. Um, Dr. Randall is a medical visionist, a visionary and futurist. Mm -hmm. And she's, um, you know, and so some of the things is, that are kind of the new thing today She's, mm -hmm. She was doing and in, introducing to the world 40 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. I mean, she was really just ahead of her curve, yeah. ahead of the curve in terms of uh, just where, you know, where she was at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, she's put all of this together mm -hmm. into a book called Soul Doctoring, which mm -hmm. is right now is being shopped to publishers. Right. Um, and it will be published next year. And on top of that, Dr. Randall hosts a wonderful Instagram TV show mm -hmm. that's on, that airs every Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time. And... And a podcast called Soul Stories, which she'll explain later when we talk with mm -hmm. her. But um, that's a wonderful podcast as well. It's on every week. And we're really looking forward to having her. Yeah. She's a very intriguing guest with yeah. a ton of stories and you know lots of knowledge. And I can knowledge. I can say this is going to be a little bit different than mm -hmm. a lot of our author um, guest authors. Mm -hmm. and I mean, every author is distinctive in their own way, obviously. True. But this this goes to another level because along with that, I'm I'm. I'll bet anything that during the course of the interview, she's going to be giving some very sage um, medical and healing advice Absolutely. that we can all take away with us into our own mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and we'll also be discussing the, the um, aspects of writing, soul doctoring as well. So stick with us; it's going to be going to be fun. So it sure is. Mm -hmm. Well, today we have a very special guest um, who means a lot to me personally. Mm -hmm. um, I first met Dr. Gail Madeleine Randall about 20 years ago. It's mm -hmm. already 20 years. Yeah. And I've had all sorts of associations with her. Uh, dear friend, she's my doctor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's a healer. Mm -hmm. We and we, you know, she, in her book Soul Doctoring that we'll talk about today, I've been involved with that. It's somewhat of a mentor in the medical realm as well. And she and and she's a medical uh, futurist and visionary. Mm -hmm. And some of the things we're going to find you know, when we talk to her today, um, we're going to, you know. Some of the things that are now kind of like the big new thing, like mm -hmm. plant-based and stuff like that, she was introducing that to the world 40 years ago. Absolutely. She was ahead of the curve completely. Completely. Yeah, you can and, um, and watch some of those yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it's just it's, it's just a great joy to have her on. And um, we're looking forward to, I'm looking forward to a Absolutely. really wonderful We've conversation. About, mm -hmm. So um, since she, you know, without further ado, let's just bring her in. All right. Welcome, Dr. Randall. Thank you. I'm so glad you're on the show. It's it's really fun. I guess this is a, yet another iteration of you and me and our association yeah. with each other after. <laughs> I know. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great to finally have you. We've been talking about having you on for quite some time. So yeah, yeah. here we are. Was there even Zoom when we first met? I don't even think it existed. I don't think it when existed. We no, met. no, because we, we met at, a, we met at a, uh, a conference in New Mexico. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was involved with a, a spiritual group down there, and then, and then Dr. Randall was one of the keynote speakers. Wow, okay, so that's yeah. where you guys met. It's yeah, kind of the origin. Yeah. Okay. And it just went on from there. So, um, gosh, where to begin? There's so many different ways to go about this. Um, but first of all, this obviously became your calling. 
And, and so then you, you know, you went on to, after um, regular education, went on to medical school, but you had a really interesting, um, for medical school, you worked in a very interesting place, the Sioux Reservation. Could you tell us a little bit about that and then the profound experiences you had with the medicine? Yeah, I, I did. I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity to go uh, to the reservation to do part of my clerkship. They called them clerkships or training. But honestly, Bob, it started way before that. When I was a little kid, I remember running out the back door and running over to the cornfields and lying between the rows and to watch the cornfields sway and wait for the, well, what turned out to be the corn maiden or this beautiful sparkly woman with golden hair, the color of the flax of the corn and come to me and tell me everything's gonna be all right. And she was dressed in regalia and things like that. And so, you know, some people could call that dissociation or something, but it was real to me. And I, I believe it was real. And I believe that she was coming to me to, you know, between worlds to let me know that it was okay and I could continue because mm -hmm. I had like a little a bit of a rough childhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was like a tangible spiritual experience for you, I guess. It really yeah. you So, you know, when I got to, to the reservation and later when I trained with Joseph Real, he told me, oh, that was the corn maiden. You know, like wow. very nonchalantly, I go, oh, of course. <laughs> That's why, <wild>. yeah. <laughs> and I guess I don't look unlike her, so who knows, you know, right? So anyway, um, yes, I, I went to the Sioux Reservation, you know, and then when you show up at the Sioux Reservation back in the day, this was years and years ago, um, the actual doctor or PA, whoever was working there in the clinic leaves because that's his vacation and you're covering. It's like, okay, because I wasn't really even an MD yet. I was a senior medical student. Of course, you know a lot, but you don't have that MD after your name, but the nurse was there. I always found nurses are great resources. So, um, but what happened was one day, um, and I always opened up the clinic. I'd come in the back door and then go to the front door and there'd be people lined up. Well, this day, uh, a woman, there was one person there and a woman, because I came in early and she fell into my arms and she smelled of smoke and she was burned all over and her propane tank had exploded during the night on mm. her and she'd been waiting there. Wow. And she was blue. Her, her skin was about the color of the wall behind you. And she was <gasps> wheezing and breathing like that. She was not in good shape. And they didn't have, uh, you know, helicopters that came to the reservation in those days. And this was right between Sioux Falls and Rapid City. So it was pretty far away from anything. But we did call the ambulance. I, uh, we got her up on the table. We did what we could do, gave her oxygen, gave her what's called a diuretic because she had water or fluid in her lungs. They were burned. And so with the oxygen and the, and the fluid and um, removal medication and also gave her steroids, that's about all you can do until you, and oxygen, until something else is available. And so I looked around sort of frantically and I told the nurse, look, you know, get somebody. This little, this boy came in and I said, go get everybody that she knows or that knows her or that is her relative and bring them here to pray. And so 
they did, they came and we encircled her, her cot where she was and we prayed and uh, chanted and pretty soon we hear the ambulance and she'd already turned pink and was getting better by that time. So that's amazing. prayer is amazing and prayer still heals and I still pray for my patients both before I go in and every day. So yeah. And right. I feel like there's a fine line, you know, between the uh, a fine balance you can strike really between the this, you know, scientific and the spiritual realm that a lot of doctors don't exactly touch on like you do exactly. So, you know, I feel like that's of great importance. Really. Yeah, well, yeah, well I my experience with Dr. Mm-hmm. Randall has been that it's it's integrated and merged exactly. with her. Right. Where as you're you're right about mm-hmm. a lot in the medical profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened after that was the same boy came back to me that I had sent out to get her relatives and said, the medicine man wants to see you at his house at sundown. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And so I headed out there at sunset and it was in in South Dakota and Nebraska, we have what's called big skies and the whole sky was red, it was heaven fire. And, you know, made me kind of happy and less scared. And all the little reservation dogs are following me, their tails wagging. And as I went up to his house, he's standing on the porch, big chest, looking out like an eagle. And his his mate, she was so beautiful. She, she was sort of round face and her little eyes were like diamonds. And they were smiling and welcoming me and telling me to come in and eat with them. And we spoke and then they told me to come back the next night and every night. And uh, after a few weeks, they told me, you know, that their ancestors had told them that they were to teach me their ways, that I was going to do something different and share it with my people to, to change things on the planet. So it was a great gift. Oh, that's it's wonderful. a really profound experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and of I course, went back reasonably, so it didn't end for like four years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. And, and then, um, you know, and, and you're, and I guess at this point, I, I introduce, you're, you're involved with many things, but two that are really exciting right now, and we'll just, this just keeps the conversation going, are your books Soul Doctoring, which you've spent years working on, and also your new podcast soul stories and we'll get to that in a minute Mm -hmm. but um the thing about soul doctoring i think that's really that strikes would strike a reader first and foremost is that today you know we have this big push to plant-based foods Mm -hmm. we've you know we hear a lot more about integrative medicine um and all of these other other more progressive ways of healing but you were doing that 40 years ago, and mm-hmm. you were one of the pioneers in bringing that into the consciousness of America. Could you talk about those, those, the, the early days, the pioneering days, and, and, um, and as part of the, because I know that's part of the premise of writing the book. Sure. So, you know, it was interesting because um, through those experiences, my early experiences, I knew there was more. And even as I was training as a young intern and uh, in, when I became a, a resident and even a fellow, I, all, I, I loved science. So I'm really both things. You know, I invented a lot of things at UCLA that are used today, like things to stop ulcers from bleeding. You know, we, we invented that and a um, lot of things at 
and so, but even so, I was always interested in the esoteric side of things. I'd go back to my patients' rooms at night and ask them, you know, what were things like at home? What were they eating? You know, what, you know, did they drink alcohol? Were they smoking cigarettes? You know, and how did they feel? You know, I, I didn't just look at them as their organ that was sick, which was very prevalent in those days when I was training. I, I knew there was more and I, and even so, I, as much as I loved science and still do, I knew there was more. And if, and then we should add those other things, those other disciplines, because I had the, my basis with Native American medicine, I became interested in other modalities. I, during my training, I learned Chinese medicine. I, I learned Japanese medicine. I learned Ayurvedic medicine. And so we did the first studies, they were landmark studies with Emron Meyer at UCLA, where we added one of those medicines to our, our medicine on people that had sort of reached a dead end. So that was, that was a game changer. You know, nobody was doing things like that then. So that was, like I said, a landmark study. And then we went to the desert and did consensus conference and did more things, but it all started there really in a big way. And, um, I also saw very clearly, and we didn't learn in medical school and fellowship and, or, I mean, I'm a gastroenterologist and they didn't teach us anything about nutrition, which I, I could see. It was so blatantly obvious to me how important it was. So I taught myself. I went and found education on it. And then I found the later, the functional medicine people and the uh, integrative medicine people. And of course I became certified and and then I became board certified in integrative medicine later on. But, you know, I learned all those things before. As a matter of fact, I showed up one time at Scripps Institute for one of Mimi Guaneri's big conferences. And then I learned that was the conference where we were all going to take the boards. And I, and I hadn't studied this. I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> I showed up yeah. to take the course. And Mimi goes, oh, come on, Randall, you've been around forever. We know you know it. Just do it. And so I... I just took it cold and I, I did very well because I had immersed myself in all of those things, which is what we were being tested on, which was right, right. very affirming for me. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Can you talk a little I bit about what's... Mimi on my podcast, actually? And we we talked about that experience together. Can you talk a little bit about um, soul doctoring and kind of how it covers all facets, you know, mind, body, uh, spiritual, and that's just something that I feel like greatly sets it apart from most medical, you know, self-help style books. So can you just talk a bit about that, how you, you know, include every single facet within the book? Um, kind of your sure. I don't know if I included every single facet, but it, well, it yeah, is but a journey. I start out with yeah. some of the stories like we talked about. My my sort of autobiographic journey that set the, sets the stage for how I, I launched into learning different modalities. And then I talk about the different modalities in a patient form. So I present um, patients and how they healed and each one addresses a different modality. And so people can read those things and learn what might be good for them in their self-care or what modality might help them with their illness or disease, if you will. And it sort of moves through those. So that's how the modalities are presented. And then it moves into the current ills of our planet. So it goes from personal, because once you uh, do your self-care, 
always say personal and planetary health go hand in hand because once you do your personal health and you get into this integration, you get into the idea of connection, it's just natural to turn and look to our planet and see if you look at the planet and you, and you, cause you turn from inward to outward and you see where she's suffering, she tells you exactly what she needs. She tells you exactly, and what she needs is what we should be doing. So what, what are the ills of the planet, you know? And then, she, and it'll tell you, well, maybe meat is not a great thing right now because growing the corn and the, and the grain to feed the cows, which become the meat is what is, is most contributing to the carbon in the atmosphere, which is most contributing to global warming. So that's just an example. And also the ocean, which is a big thing. You know, we have so overstressed the ocean that it's, it's very sick. And if we don't pay attention to what we're doing and change our fishing practices, we'll have no fish by the year 2048. No fish. Yes. Oh, that's and we can't have an ocean without fish. It won't survive. They need each other. And so 80% of the oxygen comes from the ocean and it harbors a great amount of CO2. And guess what keeps that CO2 harbored in these little beds in the ocean? The fish, the fish swimming. Isn't that amazing when you add together all of the motion of, you wouldn't think that that would do anything. The fish swimming is what keeps the CO2 harbored in their beds. And if there are no fish, what's gonna to happen to it? It's gonna come it's out and go in the exactly. atmosphere yeah. and right. add to the, to the carbon debt and increase global warming ex exponentially. So we, we just have to start paying attention. So these are some of the things that I talk about and more, you know, what, how we can help our planet. And it's not hard. One of the main things is change to plant-based, which by the way, is a number one, the most healthy thing you can do. I've healed people with cancer. I've healed, you can reverse heart disease, read Dean Ornish with plant-based diet, you know, and we can save the planet at the same time, which is of course essential. Mm -hmm. Kind yeah. of goes from the individual to the collective. I Absolutely, guess. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and we, I, we have more questions, of course, about soul doctrine. But one thing I wanted to kind of drill further down on, and uh, I know this firsthand since I uh, worked with you on this book. Um, you, we very, or you very consciously hyphenate the word disease. So instead of saying, you know, disease, 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 it's dis-ease. Could you? speak to that a little bit because i think that's just such a important point that i believe if if people consciously made that you know put that hyphen in there i believe that alone if it really if they really uh if they really um internalized it that that would create a lot of healing on this planet by itself oh yeah because i was brought up in a disease-based system and right away, I, I thought, you know, this is, this is not the right emphasis to emphasize. And it's still that way. You know, Western medicine is disease-based. It's about the disease. But what we really need to emphasize more is, is, the, is the wellness part of it. You know, like it's dis-ease rather than something that's a sentence that you, that you have to have for the rest of your life once you get that diagnosis. Diagnoses are great because it's a way to classify things and understand things. So I'm all for that. But you also got to remember the other side of it. You know, what's, what's the wellness side? 
And when you hyphenating that word emphasizes that it's a disease or an imbalance in your body, unless it's gone on so far that it's just so ingrained in your, and, and all that means is we don't know how to unwind it yet, but we are unwinding things that even do involve the DNA. This, you know, now we know there's epigenetics and you can change those things. If you change the environment, the way you're eating, the way you're thinking, the way you, you know, experience the world, you can change your DNA. I mean, making a cancer go away is changing your DNA. So changing heart disease is changing your DNA. So once again, back to what you're eating, what you're, what you're, and not just what you're eating in your mouth and in physiologically, but what are you eating in your mind, in your spirit, in your, in your heart, you know, emotionally. So that has a lot to do with it too. Yeah, um, and I think that some of the medical industry doesn't really hasn't a lot of the medical industry at least hasn't exactly you know grasped a hold of that concept. So I was going to ask kind of you know how do you feel that the medical industry is lacking as it stands, and where you know could we uh, evolve? I guess. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm a positive person, so I think when I was training, it was it was worse. You know, now they they are starting to wake up. They are starting to have um, some minimal amount of classes in nutrition and spirituality and compassion, things like that in medical schools. So I think little by little, it's starting to happen, you know? Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole other side, there's a whole other side to your, your legacy and your story that uh, is reflected throughout soul doctoring the book. And that is your association with Native Americans, with with Native peoples, mm -hmm. and all the work you've done with them, and also just how you know how it's just an intrinsic part of you, um, as we met, alluded to earlier with where you did part of your medical school work. Um, could you could you talk a little bit about how you know how that evolved after the Sioux Reservation, and then also how you've how you've incorporated um, the just the logos, the whole belief systems of, of native peoples through medicine wheels and through other things mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to just be part of the way that you not only treat patients, but how you live your life. Yeah, well, that started right away, Bob, after I spent the time um, with the Sioux people, they told me I'd have other teachers. And I did, in fact, have many teachers. I had Joseph Real, I, be I began to Sundance. As a matter of fact, that's how I got the vision for the book. As you know, we tell some of these stories in the book is, you know, I was doing a Sundance and the Sundance is really a dance that you do. I was invited to do it. It's a, it's a, it's a dance where you dance without food or water for four days and four nights in the hottest part of the summer for sacrifice. And the sacrifice is made to receive a vision for the planet, to improve the planet and and it's all the people, all the people. When they say all the people, they mean humans, but they also mean all the animals and plants and things and even stones, everything has a spirit. So you're dancing for all the people. Omitakiyasin is how they say it in Sioux. And um, there are many different ways to say it. In Tiwa, it's, um, I'm blanking on it right now, Seneho. Is all the people. And um, so 
on, I think the third day of the Sundance, this Sundance, I began to have a vision. And the vision was a talking circle of elders. And they were talking about a woman that appeared in the smoke in the middle of the circle that was coming from a fire. And I was watching this and I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh my goodness, that's me. <laughs> and they're making a decision and they finally come to a decision. And then I see a, the planet, the earth is spinning above. And then I put my hands like this and the planet came into my hands. I guess you can't see my hands there. I put my hands like this Got it. and the planet came into my hands and turned into a book. And then I got the message, that's what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to take all my teachings and put them in a book and so that I could share them with the people, that it was gonna help them. And of course, I didn't even, hadn't even mastered all the disciplines that I needed to master to write that book at that time, but that was my vision. That's one of the things that drove me and it still is. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about soul doctoring, mm -hmm. which which I should tell everybody is now being shopped to publishers. So you could probably expect to see it, uh, I would say, in 2022. Um, but one of the things about this really great book, besides all the all the healing advice and all, you know, all, the, mm -hmm. all those types of things, um, is that is um, Dr. Randall's storytelling, how she's how she tells stories. It's very native. Mm -hmm. And just that, just that, just that rhythm and cadence. And, you know, mm -hmm. of course I know as a book editor, I notice the different ways in which people tell exactly the stories. Right. And that's just one of the most beautiful parts of the book is just how it just feels very native. The delivery. The delivery, yeah. mm -hmm. the, the way you tell stories. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, there's something I really have to mention is, is how the book, the other bookend, you know, one of the bookends is health self-care, how we achieve it, and through many different disciplines, Western medicine included. But the other bookend is, um, is, is about healing us and the planet by becoming one. I call it one mind, but coming together as a collective, because we know that if we can change our minds and you know, point our arrow in this sacred direction, pretty much the same sacred direction as each other, that it changes the energy of the planet. It's been measured by satellites, it's been measured in the individual, but you know, and now uh, Deepak Chopra and Mimi Guaneri from Scripps Institute are gonna be doing sort of these uh, collective broadcasts just about that. So, and this is something that I wrote 20 years ago, so. Right. Well, and, and that's what we've kind of kind of a sub theme of this whole conversation is just the fact a lot of the things that are coming into the, uh, you know, public consciousness right now are things that you were doing many, many years ago, which is part of being a visionary exactly. and a futurist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And back to back to soul doctoring. Um, what, one of the things, another thing I love about the book is how you weave the stories in with very practical advice. But unlike, unlike and better than a lot of books on healing, you you take the you take the point of view like I'm going to show you guys as much as I can and have and, and in some cases have the reader elevate their own awareness and and um, understanding of the subject to meet you. Now a lot of people will kind of um, simplify it to just a base you know just a, a really simple place, but you actually challenge us 
to learn more about ourselves and about the healing process in the in the uh, experience of reading your book. Could you talk about that a little bit? And then also, um, you know, just talk about how important it is that we become more self-aware of these things, of actually how we heal, not just what to do to heal. Right. So it's, yeah, it's not a recipe book. So it's not, okay, if you have this, then do that. It's, right. I really like want to take the, the reader or people by the hand and bring them with me to experience, you know, the healing process. And it's, of course, in, in, we are talking about different modalities in certain situations, like to different people, but in every instance, it's an experience because we, we uh, do it together. So I try to show the person who's reading the book through feeling it, you know, feeling what happened there, feeling what I felt, feeling what that person felt, that they can come along on that journey. So by the time we reach the end of the book, we're ready to move into that one mind together. Yeah. Exactly. I wanted to ask a little bit about the technical aspects of just writing Soul Doctrine. Could you guys kind of talk about what it was, that whole process was like to begin with? Like, how did you catalog everything and, you know, categorize things? I mean, did it, was it kind of just more free-flowing or were things planned out um, in advance as far as chapters and everything are concerned? So, well, I, my job was easy. This book has been Do a long time in the making. So. Yeah, well, Dr. Dr. Randall wrote everything and I just helped her piece it together. Piece it together so together my, my job was easy. Yeah. <laughs> she had the, yeah, for me, it pretty much <laughs> flowed out of me. Like, so okay. I, I, it isn't something that I, <laughs> that I outlined and said, oh, we have, because it's not a scientific book. You know, there is science in it. Of course, there's a lot of science in there, but it's because it was appropriate to the situation. It was more the journey that I saw, you know, was the, the bigger picture. The story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in structuring the book, that sense. actually was both one of the joys and one of mm -hmm. the challenges from my end, because unlike you know this isn't a linear book whatsoever exactly. it's not chapter one chapter it's just not um i was gonna bring that up yeah it, it's just not one of those things where mm -hmm. you can you just go from one place to another because mm -hmm. it's all integrated mm -hmm. and so one of the one of the challenges because there's a lot of storytelling mm -hmm. and plus all of the you know the, the medical aspect of it and the then, underlying and, science and not to mention the fact that dr randall is licensed and master and masters 12 to 15 different modalities yes. or more um, it so part of it was to to present it as a journey, but at the same time bring in all of this much you know the mm -hmm. more practical information. So that was that was a challenge, but it was also mm -hmm. a joy because if we if we put it you know if, if we got to the point where we put it together correctly mm -hmm. or put it together well, it just became this journey, you know, the, not only of the healing mm -hmm. of oneself but also of the um, awakening and arising to our highest consciousness mm -hmm. exactly. and our highest potential. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so for me, anyways, as as the editor, mm -hmm. that was you know that was like I said, both a joy and a challenge. That's the best way to put it mm -hmm. in my case. Yeah, I understand, or I've been told, and I don't know if it, this was you that told me this, Bob, that the the big one of the biggest challenges is knowing the end of the book. But when I yes. started the book, I knew the end. So, which is crucial. Yeah, even when I received the first vision, I knew the end. Wow. I knew where I was yeah. going, and then it was pretty easy to fill in because the first part was, you know, a lot of it was my experience, and then, 
you know, part of it was things I needed to experience, but it's all things that, you know, came from my life and what I saw. And I knew the ultimate thing was about the planet, but it was also about uh, collective. And the only way we're going to accomplish it is if enough people, and it doesn't have to be everybody, but if enough people come into the same one mind, we, we don't have to go through bureaucracy. We don't have to go through all the hard, we just go right there. Things will change. Yeah. And I, I just want to ask you a couple other questions that I think our, our viewers and our listeners will find fascinating. And that's having an appointment with you when you're, someone goes into your office because, um, no, you know, when, when people go into the office, little do they know which modality you're going to pull from. Um, could you talk about how you read the patient intuitively mm-hmm. and, and uh, besides the medical assessment, of course, and, um, you know, could you just talk about how, how you figure out what you're going to go with? Because mm-hmm. you, like I just said, you have a, you have a gigantic toolbox of, of healing tools. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm just curious to know how you go about that from when. Well, now, now I would say now, you know, after all of the experience that I have, and I'm still learning, don't I still learn every day. And I love learning and adding to my toolbox. So I continue to, but at, I, st- I have a system and it's, it's not like, unlike going to another doctor's office where I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I may ask questions that you don't, normally hear. And what I hear a lot of times is not even in the words, but the spaces between the words, if you will, and the, and the energy that I read from the patient. It's not, you know, everybody even knows exactly what they, what they want to say. But if I say, if you listen to the patient long enough, everybody comes with their own answer. And it will come to me in between the lines, in between the lines and the things I see and the examination, it, come, it just comes to me. And then I know what they need. And it may be a combination of an herb. It may be a combination of an herb. Maybe they do need a pill, you know? Maybe they need a medicine for a minute. And, but always there's gonna be something natural in there as well, because it helps them get away from that medicine or other medicines, exactly. maybe they come in to get off medicine but it may be a a physical exercise. I may give them a meditation or a breathing. I may teach them how to breathe. So it's a combination of things. I may say, you know, you really need to wear the color blue around your neck, you know, or, you know, maybe they need to communicate better. Maybe their thyroid is not, you know, I see these things as the process unfolds with each patient. It's very individualized, but it's very clear to me. Yeah. And um, so one and, and along those lines as well, I wanted to ask if you give some practical advice for our readers and listeners again, and that is dietary changes. Um, you've been a proponent of plant based diet for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that's you know, it's a really tall ask to ask somebody who's been eating one way their whole life to just suddenly push that away and go to this other thing. Now, in my own case, in my own case, I had a strong enough will that I did exactly that 35 years ago when I switched. And that's how long it's been since I've eaten meat. Um, And I switched and I was done with meat and that was it. But that's hard. I mean, that's really hard for some for most everyone to do. 
So what would your advice be to someone who knows they have to make a dietary change, but they're afraid to do it, or it's just it's just such a tall ask to mm -hmm. just switch over like that? What would you, where would you start them? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And it is hard for people. Like I had a young gentleman the other day who had come from Louisiana to visit his uh, relatives. And he had for all the world, um, a bleeding ulcer. He passed blood and then he passed black stool. And of course I was one of the top notch hemostasis doctors in town for many years when I was at UCLA, about however many years that was ago, more than 20 years ago. And um, so I know this like the back of my hand. So I knew what to do Western medicine wise, but also in investigating further, you know, when I would, a lot of hemostasis doctors would be just like scope them, apply the hemostasis, give them drugs and let them go back to Louisiana. But of course, I wanted to know what are you eating? What's eating you? What's going on, you know? And it turns out this young man's a, a welder and he was having a lot of headaches and he's having um, a lot of upset stomach. And I'm thinking, hmm, maybe heavy metals, you know? And then I'm also thinking, then he said there's a lot of stress in his family. And I don't know if you know, but of course, if you've been watching the weather, Louisiana's really gotten blasted the past couple blasted. of years. And yes. They were out of their house that, you know, alligators were in their house, you know, it was so badly flooded. I mean, it was bad. And it, that's pretty stressful, right? So then he has a wife and a little baby and, um, they all had COVID and that was really stressful. So they've been through it. So I think that, uh, and he was been taking a lot of Advil for his headaches. And then I found out his testosterone was low. Well, that causes headaches. So it was a, you know, kind of plethora of different things that needed to be addressed. But I told him, you know, one of the things you should do because you're really inflamed is decrease your meat. And of course they're Louisiana, they're very meat oriented soul food, seafood, right? The whole bit. And, and because he was in a, in a tender place and was willing to listen, I could get him to, you know, work with me and he's going to, you know, try to decrease it to once a day to begin with, and then maybe go down to three times a week. And uh, in the meantime, we're doing his workup, but he understands. And I explained to him how inflammatory meat, especially industrialized meat is, and that it comes with cytokines and they come in your body and they attract white cells and create more cytokines like an exponential infl inflammation is like that. And then I explained to him, that's where the vast amount of diabetes comes from. That's where heart disease come from and about 70% of the chronic illness that we have in our country. And he understood because he's not dumb, right? So, and so he's willing to give it a try. He wants to be healthy as a young family and they're gonna, and his wife used to be a vegan. So we've got that on our sides. And we're gonna, we're gonna you know, he's gonna work on it. And then you have to stay in contact with them and counsel them along. You can't just say, oh, do this and buy. You know, you have to help them out with she she already knows how to cook that way so that helps you know i don't have to yeah that is buy that advantage. but i always tell yeah. people look at my instagram because i put a lot of uh healthy uh plant-based and they're yummy you know recipes up on there and you know you can just copy them and so there's the, that and 
you know, a lot of the stuff that I present in my book and also I have these on my Instagram TV are, you know, scientific. You know, I give statistics and, you know, all of the data that's behind it. So this isn't stuff we're just making up. This is stuff that's right. really happening. And, you know, I give all the data and statistics about it, you know, including the planet, the, the plant-based foods, you know, the, uh, the whole thing. And, and then, you know, we talk about different subjects. So. Yeah. And to, and just to, um, elaborate on Instagram TV, it's on every Friday night, 6 PM Pacific time. And they're wonderful shows. And, um, and on top of that, as you mentioned, you have thousands of followers and mm -hmm. just constant great advice that you put up on there. And as long as some really inspirational quotes and things as well. I mean, it's, it's almost like its own variety show. It's pretty, it's really cool. It's all very insightful. Yeah. Um, and, and along those lines of other things you're doing, you also have a dynamic new podcast called Soul Stories. Um, you've, you know, you started that several months ago and you've just had these more than a year already, Bob. Yeah. Well, okay. More than a year. I can't believe it's been that long, uh, but um, 20, 24, we're on 24. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, so what, but the thing about soul stories that I find really amazing is you're pulling, you're, you're bringing in guests from literally all walks of life. I mean, you've got healers, actors, uh, just a whole bunch, but the thing in common is mm -hmm. that they are really dynamic souls that are changing the world in their own ways. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that podcast? How, mm -hmm. what inspired you to begin it and just what the thrill of it is for you personally? Well, it's the same thing that inspires me every day. And that's, you know, to help the planet. I'm very planet minded. And when actually I was invited on Richard Radstone's po podcast called Ghost Stories. And during the podcast, it actually came to me. I sort of had a vision during his podcast that I should do a podcast. And I told him, I said, I've always wanted to do a podcast on, on, people and how the energy of their story is what brings us into the cosmic consciousness together. And if I have people on my podcast that have done that, it's going to inspire people to move in that direction into that light. And he was moved by it. And he's a very experienced podcaster. So I thought, okay, let me do it. And he coached me, told me all the equipment to get everything to do and all the nitty gritty stuff. So I just did what he said. And I started inviting people on my podcast. <laughs> and it was, yeah, like you said, they're very diverse, but what they all have in common is the planet, you know, the planetary mind, you know, some are re regenerative farmers. Well, they think about the planet some are actresses and actors and they're very planet-minded. So the last one I did was um, Miyamoto, um, Nobuko Miyamoto, who is a Smithsonian acclaimed artist. And she has been an activist and an artist and she calls herself an artivist since a very young age. And now she's in her eighties and she's been, wow. yeah, admitted yeah. to the Smithsonian. Her art is in there, her music, and it's all about the collective consciousness and, you know, people advancing evolutionarily in their, in their minds and, and connectedness and crossing boundaries, crossing boundaries between peoples and integrating all peoples, you know, not just 
Asians, which she's Asian. So of course it was, it's, it's a big deal right now with the women in Georgia being killed and whatnot. So it's, it helps us bring the work forward because she is doing this new technique called Fandango Obon. Obon is a ceremony which I've been to many times because one of my best friends is Asian and it's, it's about dancing in a circle just like natives do and coming together through that circle. So now she's doing it only with different cultures, which is amazing. So that was my last guest. So every, I just, yeah, it's, been so it's been so much fun. Much fun. Hmm, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna ask, kind of touching upon that, um, can you kind of discuss why taking a preventative approach in healthcare is of utmost importance other than simply being reactive and come to the doctor when something is wrong? Like how can people improve that as far as longevity is concerned? Well, you just said it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, okay. yeah, I Answer mean, my own question. we could get pa- pa- patient answering their own question. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you taught me well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so important and it's so, the thing is, it's so doable. Right. You no, know, it's so doable. It's people end up on all these medications, you know, big pharma and big pharma doesn't want to let go of that because that's what, because that's no. what that's what it's supports them, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just astounding, really. Um, you know, I saw this t-shirt once and it says, I take this medication. And then underneath it was, I take this medication for the side effects of that medication. And it's like kept no going kidding. down, 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 you know, it doesn't stop. And they end up with, you know, 12 medications and they're all doing something not so good at the same time as do it, forcing the body to do what they're, you know, trying to do. Lipitor, for example, and a lot of people are on Lipitor, I'm sure it's probably one of the most prescribed medications, causes diabetes. And a lot of people don't know that. And you can lower cholesterol with lifestyle, with changing to plant-based, for instance, and exercise and decreasing your stress. So you know, and I work with this all the time with people and get there and there are herbs that can help cholesterol as well, which I'm very familiar with. So, you know, this is the holistic, you know, upstream kind of medicine we want to get to, as opposed to treating it downstream with a pill and ending with a side effect for each medication. Taking the completely Not that medications aren't good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against life-saving medications or Western medicine by any means. I'm just saying, you know, there is another way that we can get away from having to take so much of them. Yeah, and I know because you're you're a medical herbalist as well as um, mm-hmm. you know prescribing you know pharmaceuticals, and I I know I like one thing that speaks to me about one of the problems in this society with pharmaceutical companies is the reason why they named Adderall Adderall. And I, I read this when I was writing my book, Beyond ADHD, several years ago. Um, but Shire, when they created this drug, they couldn't, they were trying to figure out a name for it and they named it Adderall. And, and it breaks down to ADD for all. The point <laughs> being, they're going to prescribe everyone. And this was right after the yeah. Ritalin craze. So that's right. a, yeah, and, and, and that's that's really a hard box to break out of for so many people, not not knowing just how concert how much of a concerted effort big pharma is making to keep us on these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And actually, big pharma creates most of I mean, most of the medicine big pharma creates is for the animals. 
that are being raised by the meat industry. So they're very much keen on keeping the meat industry the way it is because they don't want to give that up. Most of the drugs they make go for cattle and pigs and whatnot. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, and you would never think of it being that intertwined, honestly. Most, the, most people so we get to eat those yeah. too if really we eat meat, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not against meat either. So, I mean, if you're going to eat meat, at the very least, eat grass-fed, exactly. you know, pasture-raised, happy cows, or even better, regeneratively farmed, because it that pulls down carbon and gives back to the earth. So that's the way to go. It may be more expensive, but then we really shouldn't be eating it that often anyway. So. Exactly. Well said. Yeah. Well, it's hard to believe, but we've already run out of time. It doesn't time. seem like I it know at all. We started. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this could go on for hours and hours and hours. However, um, anyways, um, thank you so much for being our guest. And I just want to remind everyone that Soul Doctorings, yes. by the book by Dr. Gail Malane Randall, that will be out next year. It's mm-hmm. currently being shopped with publishers. You have your Instagram TV that's on every Friday night at nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific time, and also the Soul, the fabulous Soul Stories podcast. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Yes. Be kind. Be compassionate. And think about that one mind. Think about tuning into the collective consciousness. It's there for everybody, and it's a two-way street. So if you move your consciousness higher into that place, you also receive and you can, you know, you'll get pieces of information that will help you in your life and it will help the planet. Great message to close with. Thank you so much, Dr. Gail Modeling Randall for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, so that was a really intriguing discussion with Dr. Randall. I've been looking forward to that for quite some time. So you guys, if you want to find out more about her, her origin, or just her tips and tricks that she has, you know, from years and years of knowledge, you guys that are still with us, um, be sure to check her out on social. We'll drop the links below. So we're going to go ahead and do our uh, our ritual here at Front Page Pass where we talk about the chart toppers on uh you know New york times bestseller list so yes and aaron james from our team has as always given us the five top uh, fiction and non-fiction yep. um selling books on mm-hmm. from the new york times list so um okay. why don't you go ahead with fiction okay uh with fiction um we number one we have legacy by Nora roberts which is new this week on number two we had the last thing he told me by laura day four weeks on the list so and that's quite an intriguing read also number three is shadow storm by christine um Fion? Hey, Fion. okay i'm always butchering the pronunciation i apologize guys <laughs> uh new this week number four is project hail um mary by andy weir four weeks on the list and number five still on the list is Sully by john grissom which is Five weeks on the list. So, and I'll just mention about Andy Weir that this is his yes. follow. This is the book mm-hmm. following uh, The Martian, which of course became a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm Absolutely. looking forward to reading that book. That's going to be yeah, it really if, is. If, if, it, if it's anything like The Martian, it's going to be really That's fascinating. What I was thinking, Bob. So on the nonfiction mm-hmm. side, um, number one is Killing the Mob by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard, and number two is What Happened to You by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. Number three is The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. Mm-hmm. Number four is Zero Fail by Carol Leoning. And I, the concept of this book is really an important thing. It gives us permission to fail. And yeah. 
there's we're, we live in a society sometimes where there's where we we're, we're told we can't fail you mm-hmm. can't fail well the thing is you can't progress unless you fail exactly that's just learn from simple those failures. truth right. the the greatest people at, at what they do in this world failed mm-hmm. i mean thomas edison failed ten thousand times before he found the, the key to mm-hmm. the light bulb Exactly. So that's this is a really important book, I think, especially now. It's just such a high pressure time. And then number five is The Premonition by Michael Lewis. Mm-hmm. And now before we go, let's talk a little bit about our future guests. We have some really uh, interesting people coming up to chat with. So. Oh, next week. Yeah. We have a treat for you, especially mm-hmm. it's summer reading season. It's also yeah. summer uh, book club or, or book um, club season at libraries, right. summer reading programs. Um, we are going to be honored to have on our show uh, many times best-selling auth- children's authors, Sherry Fink and Derek, Ken, who are a husband and wife team. Mm-hmm. And awesome do you remember Do you remember like when you were a kid, um, the scholastic book fairs and stuff at yes, the schools? Well, absolutely. they're a book fair by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding. They have a, they're, the name of their um, business is Whimsical World. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's not only a presentation, it's just pure, it's a pure show. Mm-hmm. And the, and and their books are not only are just great reads. Sherry does young readers, mm-hmm. and Derek is more of a a tweener author. Mm-hmm. Um, but they but um, their books have really their value based. Mm-hmm. It's value based writing. And wait till you see this. I mean, it, this is just mm-hmm. going to be this is going to be a program that any parent, any teacher, any educator, and any kid, including the kids within us, <laughs> yes. is going to want to see. Um, so that will be next. That will be next week, and then following that, we have two other really captivating guests coming on, and that's Nora Novak, who was kind of a social ingenue, mm-hmm. um, and and in L.A. for a long time, and she's an actor, actress, and a model. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a great writer, and she's also a great artist. But back in the '70s and '80s. She used to host parties that uh, you you name the people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today they they were there exactly. David Bowie Rod Stewart on and on mm-hmm. it's impressive and um, um, anyway so Nora Nora wrote a book called Los Feliz Confidential that's mm-hmm. now being looked at for possible film treatment mm-hmm. her memoir exactly and she's gonna have many great stories to tell us and then the other the other person that uh, is gonna be a future guest is Barbara McNally, mm-hmm. who I had the pleasure of meeting about 10 years ago when I edited her first mm-hmm. memoir. And Barbara is a uh, author who specializes in women's empowerment. Mm-hmm. She's a great mentor. She's got a great life story, and, and which includes having to learn to be empowered in herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a fabulous writer and Again, she's just gonna she's just gonna be a wonderful guest to have. Absolutely. And then uh, coming on, also coming on down the line, just if you get your calendars out, <laughs> we'll have uh, a really good friend of mine who I've had the pleasure of working with off and on for twenty years, and that's Charles Warner, who's the publisher of uh, or the CEO of Innovative Properties Worldwide, which is a publisher of Innovation and Tech Today, mm-hmm. and four other um, magazines, including Sustainability Today, STEM Today, and. And uh, Chuck, he's he's fabulous. He's a live wire. Mm-hmm. He's a he great is, storyteller. Yes. Um, just a joy to have on. And we'll have we'll have t- Chuck talk not only about his his magazine properties, but also how writers can pitch uh, magazines and with the many platforms they have today, whether it's online mm-hmm. or print or podcasting or. Um, broadcasting all of which he does with his enterprise mm-hmm. yeah so, exactly yeah so we've got a very busy month uh, month and a half coming up with these fabulous guests and just in a month and a half fun. so i mean you can just think about 
over the next year what all Wordridge is going to be involved in, yeah. honestly, because we plan on taking this on the road eventually, as we've talked about in other podcasts. So yeah. we've got quite a bit going on. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter uh, at Word Journeys, or it could be at Word Journeys Literary. I'm not sure. But anyway, so thank you guys for joining us, and um, we'll see you all next time. Thank you.